0: Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month.
2: Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game.
0: Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: After a win last night over the Houston Texans tied at the half and the Eagles pulled away in the second half. So we're going to have our buddy Trey Wingo join us here coming up a second. And Trey, of
3: course, is brought to us by... Uh, he's brought to us by Caesars Sportsbook. Your first bet is on Caesars. Bet up to $1,250. And if you don't win, you'll get it back as a free bet. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 plus. All right, let's talk
2: to our guy, Trey Wingo, who joins us right
3: now. All right, and now we are joined by the aforementioned Trey
2: Wingo to talk some football after another win by the Eagles. We're starting to get spoiled around here, Trey. The Eagles win last night uh, over the Texans. It, it was a little bit dicey early, back and forth, but the second half – they took over. Trey, 8-0 here. And and we haven't started really using the U word yet, but it's, it's getting pretty late in this season with this team undefeated. How impressed were you last night after the Texans made it close that the Eagles were able to kind of put their foot down the second half?
4: Well, I think that's the most important thing, Joe, is that, you know, they withstood the initial punch and decided to still be the best team that they are. Um, you know, they uh, – they, the second quarter was a 7-7 tie, which is very unusual for the Eagles. That's normally when they put people away. Uh, so that felt like almost a win for the Texans. But uh, the calm and patience and, and the, the play by Gardner Johnson really sort of got their momentum back and going. And, and that's the thing that people don't understand about this team. Like, everyone marvels at the offense for obvious reasons. But let's just look at some of the numbers, okay? They have 12 interceptions, uh, on the season now that's uh more t- more touchdown passes than 19 teams okay like that's a ridiculous thing they have at least one turnover in every game um they are really a very complete football team right now and uh, i always hesitate to use the u word as you refer referred to it because we still have over half the season left we still have you know, nine games to get to a 17-game uh, end of a regular season. But everything right now is working for the Eagles, literally everything.
2: Trey, they have a historic turnover difference. You mentioned turnovers there through this stage of the season. Yeah. And a lot of times when it comes to turnovers as seasons go on, People like to bring up the luck factor or or turnover luck where, you know, those things typically even out over the course season. Nick Sirianni uh, this morning was discussing how he doesn't think it's luck. He thinks that it's 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 the way they prepare. It's the way they play. And I would say on offense, it probably is. I mean, they they really do a good job. And Jalen does a good job keeping care of the football. But but what do you think about that? The Eagles, this turnover differential, do you think this is them? Do you think it's luck somewhere in between your thought on that?
4: I, I think that their ability to not turn the ball over is much more of an indication of, of who they are than a uh, potential luck factor might be on the other side a little bit, but the fact that guys, you only have three turnovers like three get two going into the game last night. That's a ridiculous number. The only other team that had fewer through eight games was the Kansas city chiefs in 2017. They had one. So like that, that is to me, them not turning the ball over is more of an indication of who they are and how they practice and how they prepare. But, like, if Davis Mills is going to toss them up like he did last night, there's some luck involved there. So I think there's some luck involved in their takeaways, but their lack of turnovers, I think, is, is not luck, and that's something that Nick Sirianni is preaching and the entire coaching staff and Shane, the offensive coordinator, is preaching, and they're sticking to it.
2: Trey, let's talk about their balance. It's pretty striking to me. I mean, you know, teams and coaches like to say that they want to be balanced, but most teams these days are not. I mean, you have your great passing teams. You have have some teams like the Titans that rely on the run game. It really does feel like we're watching a team here, Trey, that depending on the week, what they want to do, like last Sunday against the Steelers, they bomb it up for four touchdowns and some deep passes. And then last night they threw it, but they also ran it when they wanted to. It feels like this is the most balanced, good offense in the NFL. How rare is that these days? And do you think it's a good thing for them, an important thing for them as we head towards January and maybe February?
4: Listen, you know it better than anybody, Joe. When the, when the weather gets bad, you better have a running game because that thing travels, and, and they do have that. One of Bill Belichick's favorite phrases to tell his team after a win was, fellas, we got a lot of different ways we can beat these guys. And that's what the Eagles have right now. You're right. They can, they can mad bomb it out with those two wide receivers and, and Goddard underneath, or they have the ability with that offensive line and that running game to pound it out if they want to. That, that's the most comfortable situation you could have as a coaching staff. Do we want to try and beat them this way, or do we want to try and beat them this way? The only – and it's a nitpick. I get it. The only nitpick I would have against the Eagles right now is they tend to give up uh, a little more rushing yards than they probably would like. And, and Pierce last night was a big example of that. I, I think going into the game, they were 28th or 29th in terms of yards after contact before a tackle was made. My only concern for the Eagles – is when it gets a little colder and you're going to start, you know, pounding the rock a little bit more. They're going to have to shore up that side of their defense. So they just people, better teams won't be able to just play keep away on them. But yeah. that's, that's a very minor thing through an eight game winning streak.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you on that. And it, it's it's certainly something we're, we're paying attention to. And I think it became even more acute last night, uh, Trey, because uh, Jordan Davis, high ankle sprain in the last game. Yeah. So he didn't play last night. And we might not see him for a little while here because that's a tough injury, and he's certainly a really big person to try to come back from it. And, and moving forward here, I mean, think about their schedule. They're going to see Aaron Jones. They're going to see maybe Jonathan Taylor if he's healthy, but Derrick Henry, uh, Saquon Barkley, the Cowboys again. So I, I would agree with you that that is a worry spot. But I, I would say, doesn't it feel like um, defensive coordinators now, like the, the best ones, they almost, not that they want to allow rushing yards, but they'll almost give you that within, in lieu of you yep. throwing the ball over their head. Yeah,
4: it's, it's sort of, and, and I hate to go back to Belichick again, but, you know, in Super Bowl 25, uh, when they upset the Bills 20-19, to 19, Bill Belichick told his defensive unit, guys, if we're going to win this Super Bowl, we might have to let Thurman Thomas be the MVP of the game. And they were like, what are you talking about? And he's like, let him work down the field. We're going to do everything we can to make sure we don't, they don't blow us out over the top with what was then called the K-Gun offense, which is what everyone runs now, you know, in terms of how they want to spread it out and throw it down the field. So yeah, there, there there's a lot to that. Um, I, I think that it, it, you'd much rather force a team to go down the field and lose by a thousand paper cuts than three giant slashes across the forehead.
2: And that's what the Eagles have been doing. We're talking to Trey Wingo here. Trey, Jalen Hurts last night, another really good game. And I, what's striking to me now as I watch him and I'm you know kind of taking notes during the game is I think there were three or four passes last night I thought he missed. You know I, I thought he was a little under or over yeah. or he just footwork was off. And I wrote them down and then I looked up at some point. I'm like. Wait a second. He's like 21 to 24. So like the three misses. That's yeah. it. I mean, he's become so efficient that I'm almost more surprised now when there's the miss. Trey, I was looking at his numbers today. His numbers through eight games this year are right on par or better with what Josh Allen did in 2020. I know we talked a few weeks ago about his, his rise here, but did you expect this? Because I've been a fan of his and believed in him. But even I, I'm just like shaking my head at how good he's gotten so fast.
4: Yeah, no, I listen, I, I think he's been great. But to your point, like, I wasn't expecting this until they made the trade for A.J. Brown. Like, Tua is playing great right now. Tua was not this guy when he didn't have Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill, right? And, and so, like, you're always a victim uh, or, or uh, not a victim. You're always uh, sort of uh, defined by the circumstances you find yourself in. And Jalen has found himself in a really good situation with a lot of weapons to throw to. Ty, you know, Tyreek makes that, that for Tua. You know, Patrick Mahomes, I think, would be really good no matter where he went. But the fact that he went to Andy Reid, who's the quarterback whisperer, uh, and with the weapons in the offense that he has in place, I think that's why we're seeing a Hall of Fame trajectory for Patrick Mahomes. So I, I, I was not I, – I said this all along, Joe, and I, I don't know if you you, uh, you guys were talking about it as well. I thought the two quarterbacks with the most pressure on them going into the season were Jalen Hurts and Tua tonga in terms of what we'd seen before – and what they, the teams had done, Howie in particular, to put around him. And both Tua and Jalen have come out and said, basically proven their case. Because we both knew the Eagles and the Dolphins at one point had multiple first-round picks that they could use in what is going to be a much heavier or richer quarterback draft in 2023. I don't think either one of those teams are using any of those picks on QBs
2: now. Yeah, they're not. And I agree I agree with you on the uh, the Tua and Hurts comparison before the season. They've both been phenomenal uh, so far this year. Different kind of quarterbacks, but they've both been really effective. Trey, do you think the rise of a guy like Hurts, uh, you could throw Tua in there, but he was a high pick. And, and also Josh Allen, do you think it's going to change – how teams view developing quarterbacks. Because, you know, we've got some young ones Mm -hmm. now, like the 2021 class. They're all seemingly struggling, right, with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson looks like he might be lost, Uh, Fields, all these guys. But it feels like now the formula is, all right, well, the Bills got – Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and look what happened to him. We saw it down in Miami. They got him Jalen Waddell and then Tyreek Hill. And then here in Philadelphia, Devontae Smith last year, and then on top of AJ Brown. Do you think this is kind of the new model now where you don't know if you have the right guy at quarterback, but you go get him a star receiver and then you kinda of know?
4: Well, absolutely. Uh, the only outlier there is, you know, Mahomes, who they got rid of Tyreek Hill, and they have a more explosive offense this year, which is absolutely insane with a brand new with a brand new receiving core. Um, but look, the, the other part of that is I think teams are understanding we got, a, we got a quarterback that we think is a franchise guy on a rookie deal, not even a first round deal, right, for Jalen Hurts, second round deal. So we can go shopping. We can go do this kind of stuff. We can afford to bring in an A.J. Brown. We can afford to make the trade for Robert Quinn. We can afford to do these kind of things because we're getting a bargain on the quarterback. And that's what the Chargers tried to do when they bring in Mac and and Jackson and everybody else they brought in. It, it hasn't worked for a variety of reasons, uh, not related to Justin Herbert outside of his injury. But I think if you have a if you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, you it gives you a lot of flexibility to put really really interesting pieces around him. And the, the Eagles have the bonus of it not only being a rookie deal, but not even a first round deal, but a second round deal for Jalen Hurts.
2: Trey, of all the trade deadline deals this past week, and we know the Eagles made their deal, and we talked about that last week um, with Robert Quinn, but the ones that happened most recently, w- which one to t- you stood out the most and might have the most impact down the stretch?
4: Well, listen, uh, on, on trade deadline day alone, uh, the, the, biggest, the biggest impact to me was not even a trade. It was the Bills activating Tredavious White, uh, the cornerback. Uh, they did it on that day. You know, he, he missed most of this year and a lot of last year with the torn ACL. Um, I, I think that's a huge move for them. The most impactful trade through the entire process, to me, has got to be Christian McCaffrey, um, if, he's, if he's right. And he certainly has looked right in the first two games he's played there because he's exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants, and he can make Jimmy Garoppolo a much better quarterback, pr- much less prone to the big mistake. You know, Outside of the Eagles, right now at Caesar Sportsbook. Eagles are the overwhelming favorite in the NFC at 5-1 to one to win it all. Uh, San Francisco, believe it or not, is second. Uh, At 12 to 1. Now, it's a distant second, but at 12 to 1, and I think a big part of that is if that defense is healthy, and as long as Jimmy doesn't make the tragic mistake, Christian McCaffrey gives them an opportunity to win a lot of football games.
2: Trey, as we look forward here, uh, a topic that I know already is going to become a big one in Philadelphia is if they keep winning. Is, is this ultimately a good thing? Obviously, history, who doesn't want to make history? It would be special if the Eagles kept winning and, and, right. and maybe you know got on the path to an undefeated season. But, Trey, I, I think back to 2007 with the Patriots, I thought they were tired by the end of the year. I thought in the playoffs they were tired after going for it, and obviously they accomplished what they were trying to do, but they ultimately, I thought, kind of felt, ran out of gas in the playoffs. Do you think ultimately as the season goes on, a loss could be a good thing, or do you think history always trumps that kind of thing?
4: Look, it depends on when it happens, right? If they lose next, next week, um, then it's probably not a, not a great loss. Um, but he, here's the way I would answer that. Like, Teddy is a friend of mine, worked with him, and obviously he was on that 2017. Um, his thing was we, they wanted to go for it. You, you might not remember, they almost lost a Monday night game to the Ravens that year, and they should have. The Ravens actually stopped them on fourth down, but uh, Rex Ryan, who was the defensive coordinator, called a timeout. Uh, before the play, and they actually then got it and went on to win that game. And Teddy said after that game, he's like, no, Bill, we need to go for it. Like, we need, we need to finish this thing. And it's a very special thing to say, I went through the regular season undefeated. Um, I, if they get close, absolutely go for it. I'll never forget in 2009, the Colts, when they had realized that they had gotten the thing wrapped up at halftime of the game with the Jets when they were 14-0 or 13-0. Uh, and they uh, they pulled everybody because they realized they had home field advantage, and the players were like, "What are we doing? Like, if you're that close, like if you lose before it gets to 11 and 0, fine, whatever. But once you get to 10 or 11 and 0, man, stick your nose in the ground, and go for it. like, every, somebody wins Super Bowl every year, somebody wins Super Bowl every year. Not everybody's going to go through the season undefeated, so give, give yourself that opportunity, and you get the bye week for the rest. I, I would 100% go for it."
2: Yeah, I have a feeling the uh, the folks in this town are going to want to go for it if if there's an opportunity in front of them. <laughs> Trey, always appreciate you hopping on. We'll catch up again next week, and we'll look forward to the Eagles and the Commanders uh, coming up Monday night a couple weeks from now. Thank you, Trey. Great stuff for Trey Wingo. I really uh, appreciate and enjoy when he joins us there. And Trey
3: Wingo, of course, was brought to us by? Uh, the one and only Trey Wingo, as always, is brought to us by Caesars Sportsbook. Your first bet is on Caesars. Bet up to $1,250. And if you don't win, you'll get it back. It's a free bet. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 plus. All
2: right, let's talk about the one thing from last night that continues to be, uh, I would say, a worry. And he he mentioned it there. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. Eagles win last night. Not much of a sweat, especially in the second half. If there is a worry right now, and and Trey mentioned it, it's probably the best thing you could worry about. Like It's not like they can't throw the ball. They can't stop the pass. They can't get after the quarterback to do all those things at a high level. But right now, the Eagles have become a bottom, not not the bottom, but towards the bottom in run defense. And I think last night became more acute. They missed Jordan Davis. I mean, they they missed Jordan Davis. Uh, I think as you look throughout the season, the snaps he was on the field versus snaps he was off, the, the terms of r- yards per carry allowed, way worse without Jordan Davis. And now last night, first game without him. But this is more than just without him. It's just in general. Last night... The Texans ran 32 times for 168 yards, 5.3 yards per rush. They got gassed last night. Now, Damian Pierce is a good running back, so yeah, he could do this to a lot of teams. I'm sure he will over the course of his career. This is the issue right now. I don't think there's a quick fix. I mean, they could try a couple things schematically. Um obviously Jordan Davis coming back whenever that's going to be is going to be a help. Uh, Hopefully they get him back and fully ready for the stretch run of the season. But I brought this up last night on the, um, the pregame show when I was with Glenn and Ross Tucker, this is actually a pretty rough time to lose a guy like Jordan. Davis. Think about their schedule coming up the next few weeks. So last night was Damian Pierce. Okay. That's a problem. He's really good back coming up in a couple weeks. If he's healthy, they will see Jordan, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Down over in Indianapolis. After that, they will see the combination of Aaron Jones and um who's the other back the uh, the, the the Packers have the big back Dylan E.J. Dillon yeah so uh, Jones and Dylan in with the Green Bay coming in and then they'll face Derrick Henry and after that they're going to see Saquon Barkley this is actually probably the roughest stretch of the season to lose Jordan Davis for their run defense right now it's a problem i am not sweating it here's what i have here's what they need to do the Eagles need to get their run defense shored up between now and the NFC Championship game. I'm not kidding. Like that, I'm serious. That, that's when I think – or whenever they play the 49ers in the playoffs, that's when they have to get this thing shored up. I'm not going to lose any sleep over this right now, but I do think if it remains an Achilles heel, the Niners are the team with that running game, with Shanahan, with McCaffrey, and or Debo coming out of the backfield, they, they have – so it's almost like they're so far ahead. They have two and a half months now to figure out how to become a just a decent run-stopping team. I'm not worried about it tomorrow, but it could
3: bite them down the line if they don't fix it. Yeah, I mean, you think about the things this defense does well. San Francisco doesn't really try to do those things they're almost Jimmy Garoppolo. They're almost built to beat Buffalo and Kansas City more than they are to beat the Niners. Right. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, James Bradbury and Darius Slay and these safeties, so it would make it tough for them to throw the ball down the field, but... They don't try to, right? Their, their offense right now is based around getting the ball in the hands of Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey as easily as possible, and Kyle Shanahan isn't afraid to just hand the ball off to each of them 10 to 15 times nope. and, and let them have had it. And I, I know Damian Pierce is a good running back, and, and he's having a, a fantastic rookie season, but this is a defense that's allowing over six yards per carry when Jordan Davis isn't on the field, and that's an issue when you consider he's going to be out four to six weeks with this ankle injury. I do worry about it. Like I, I think right now all it's going to be is, you know, fantasy football fodder for, for people who, who own Aaron Jones or, or Derrick Henry in, in their leagues for the next month or so. But yeah, when you get into the postseason and you play a defense like San Francisco that isn't as porous as the Texans' defense was last night, it could be a real issue. I mean, look how they beat uh the Packers in in the divisional round in Green Bay last year. They didn't score a lot of points, Mm-mm. but they stopped Aaron Rodgers. They they made sure their offense had enough chances on the field, and they came up with one big play. Yeah, that's
2: the team. That's the running game. That's the matchup that worries the heck out of me, and they have to get a fix before they see them. That's it. 215-592-9494. Get your board. We'll take all, all your phone calls. Back to the phone lines on the other side. We'll go back to the Phillies. I'm worried. My belief is as low as it's been the entire World Series. I, right now... I don't feel like they're coming back. Where's your belief? Do you believe the Phillies are coming back, yes or no? And maybe you can make me feel better tonight after just a just gut punch of a loss last night. The defense, Hoskins, the at-bats by Castellanos. My goodness. It was bad last night. And now uncertainty over how many innings Zach Wheeler could even go tomorrow. A lot of worry for me. Tucker still believes. Where are you? 215-592-9494 get your board. When we get back. We'll talk about the Phillies. And I've got to play this for you. Howie Roseman. Is feeling pretty darn good about himself right now as he's built an undefeated team. And he was getting heckled, having a little fun last night with some of the fans, Eagles fans down in Houston. You got to hear how Howie responded. I never thought we'd have to bleep out a general manager in this town. Howie barking back at the fans after he was criticized a little bit. 215 592 9494. Get you bored. We'll talk Howie, the Eagles, and your belief in the Phillies down 3 2 in the World Series, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
0: Subscribe to At-Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That is how you hop aboard on this Friday night. As we look forward to tomorrow night, game number six of the World Series. It'll be Zach Wheeler from Bervaldez. Which on paper sounds like a hell of a matchup. Unfortunately, I don't feel like the Wheeler that is is currently in the moment for the Phillies is is up for that challenge. I am worried about tomorrow, and I'm worried about this about this team right now. Uh, my confidence levels would shake it to the lowest point it's been the entire postseason run after what happened in Game Three, Game Four. Where's your belief right now? Do you still believe they are come back to win the series? Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. I wish I did. Maybe by the time that game starts tomorrow, and I'll have that feeling back. Now the Eagles, they're giving us good feelings. Eight zero right now. And how about Howie Roseman? You could tell uh, he's kind of feeling good about what he's put together here, as he should. I mean, he's put together a really good team that has a chance to go win a Super Bowl this year. So I've always thought Howie Roseman is awkward when he tries to be funny or cool. It happens on WIP sometimes. He seems like a good guy. I mean, I think he's a really good executive. It's just like sometimes people could be funny, and and it kind of it's natural. And sometimes people could be awkward when they're trying to be funny. And I always thought that's Howie. Like when he jokes around with Angelo, when he makes fun of himself, it's just kind of awkward. It doesn't seem natural. It doesn't. So last night, and I thought this was funny, but it kind of fit the – it's not really natural. So there was a fan with a sign uh, down in Houston, uh, an Eagles fan, and it was holding it up. And I think it said, you're forgiven, Howie, or we forgive you now. And and it basically was a sign that was like – I think it said – uh, who are the receivers? Ortega Whiteside, and it said Rager, and then their names were crossed out, and then A.J. Brown on it. So it was like a, see, you messed up before, and now you've, you've fixed the team. Yeah, it said, how you are forgiven, hashtag A.J. Brown, and then the names Whiteside, Rager, and Algalore crossed out. I, I think the Agalor one is unfair. Ortega Whiteside got cut last week. He did. Now, Ortega Whiteside and Rager have had just nothing NFL careers. Nelson Aguilar is still playing in the NFL. He had
3: like 800 yards there than won the Super Bowl.
2: And he helped he – didn't he have nine catches in the Super Bowl?
3: Yeah, he, he was one of their better offensive players, yeah. especially in the second half. That one's not fair. I mean, it really
2: I, – I, it's one of those things like – some those things like snowball, these, these things that we talk about and, and like a perception of a player. It's snowball that Aguilar was a, a horrible player. He was not a horrible NFL player. He still isn't. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. How are You Are Forgiven. So Howie goes in the kind of this guy's like right by the you know the edge of the crowd, right? Right, right near the front row. This is pregame last night. Howie goes over and he's having some fun with this fan. Listen, to Howie Roseman, has been obviously feeling good about himself right now. Oh, oh, f- f- for your first f- f- oh, f- yes. ah! So he said, I'm bleeping forgiven for your first Super Bowl. Bleep you. And he he didn't really like. I thought I watched it and I was like waiting for him to like laugh and like shake the guy's hand like it's all in good fun. I won you a Super Bowl like, oh, yeah, I'm forgiven, whatever. That never happened. He kind of walked away still so like, yeah, really? I'm forgiven. Well, I mean, I have to say, I'm not sure, but based on Howie's reaction, I did wonder. If Howie Roseman read the uh, the column that I wrote back in May, I believe we we did a show and I and I wrote a piece for the website. It's time to forgive Howie Roseman in May. I wonder if he read that one.
3: I think he reads a lot of what is written about him. Yeah, I do too.
2: Uh, like now, now to be fair, I was willing to forgive Howie before the season started. Some people needed C eight and O to jump on. Let's forgive Howie. But I I agree. Howie doesn't. You you think if they win the Super Bowl, Howie will get on the microphone and have something to say about? Fire Howie Roseman that
3: sign that was out there or something to that accord I, I feel like he might did he give a speech at the last Super Bowl parade I, I don't remember I don't think he did he stood, I remember Jason Kelsey and that's the my one and only memory from that day he stood which in the I back don't think I'm alone in that
2: he stood in the back next to Lori and Doug right when Doug wasn't on the stage he was back there I I, I can picture Howie like clapping and laughing during the Kelsey speech I could picture him there behind right. everyone unless I'm forgetting him up on the on the By the microphone I feel like if they do it this year He's going to say something
3: He has to You guys all want to be fired And he'll try to be cool And it'll be weird It'll be weird and awkward But everyone will be the right amount of intoxicated Where they'll laugh And it'll be a a loving moment That'll be forever played on WIB That's true Alright, let's go back to the phone lines here T's in Collegeville. T, how are you, buddy?
5: Hey, what's up, Joe? Been a long time, how you been?
2: It has been a while I'm good, man What's on your mind tonight? What are you thinking?
5: Uh, I want to talk to Eagles if you don't mind. Let's go in reverse. Let's address this Howie situation that you just referred to. I think um, I think it's hurt. I don't mind him doing that. Um, he's gotten so much strife from myself, Matt Mike, from you, from whoever it may be, You know, whether it was one time or a hundred times. Uh, for him saying that, I mean, he, he heard it, man. He, he took the salt to the wound many a times for all the stuff we said. Man, we're an emotional fan base. So uh, yeah, for it's... him to say that and be be awkward and just be himself, I think it's fine. I think uh, it's just the way he is and I actually appreciate it. Actually give him some uh, some respect on him saying that actually.
2: Yeah, I thought it was funny. Um and you know what? He sh- he should feel good about what he's put together for this season because this is a re- <laughs> he has built a really good football team that's gonna be playing, you know, deep into January here.
5: Absolutely. I mean the thing that we all gave him problems with was, was his drafting. I and mean, he started drafting around. It wasn't his contract signing wasn't acquiring uh, players for longer contract. It was just how he drafted. And the fact that he's turning it around now and it's, it's actually, you know, fruitful, uh, it, it's a good thing. So I'm happy about it. But that goes also into uh, the free agency, I mean, the trade deadline that just passed and uh, the way the team is built, which he just brought up with uh, the run defense. So with those two things, I'm actually happy we didn't get a Kareem Hunt because, um, like, even though he built a good team at this moment, There's still a lot of holes in the future that are coming around the corner that people don't realize. And I'm excited because, you know, we still have these draft picks. He didn't get a Kareem Hunt and give up, you know, more than it was worth. And he didn't try to – well, I'm sure he tried to. But he wasn't going to fleece Andrew Barry, who was his protege, and then went to Cleveland Browns. So, you know, that's probably why, in my opinion, the Kareem Hunt thing didn't happen because they know his moves. Now, back to the run defense, I think uh, this is something I said before the season started. These three games coming up of the Packers, the Colts, and, uh, and the Titans were my concern. And it wasn't just because of the personnel, but it was schematically. It was it was the whole thing with Gannon. Uh, and you're seeing it happen right now. So even though we're losing personnel right now as far as Jordan Davis and possibly, you know, Fletcher Cox for some reps, and Hargrave, you know, he gets in on the, on the rush, but on the run defense, I mean, he, he has his moments of weakness too. So, I mean, you're going to see A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, maybe Jonathan Taylor, and definitely Derrick Henry run for six, seven yards of pocket times. And, you know, I think that's just Gannon giving up the front end and keeping the back end with the back seven uh, secure because he doesn't want to give up those explosive plays.
2: T I T, before you go on T, I think you're right. I, I think it's more it's you know, it's almost more strategy than it is uh, an inability to change it. Like if he really wanted to, he could change his scheme or, or, or kind of sell out to stop the run. And it's interesting because I, I think this is the way a lot of defensive coordinators think now. It's like, all right, you can run for one fifty, you could run for six yards a pop, but how many points are you gonna score doing it? Like last night, they got gashed, they only gave up seventeen points. I, I think it I think there's something to what he's trying to do here.
6: You know, the blueprints
5: all out there, Gannon said it and Sirianni said it, because they're analytically driven, and it just proves to show you, this in that game in this season, that explosive plays are a high priority for them. So in doing so, on offense and defense, it's just part of the backbone of the blueprint. So if you, can, if you can address that as an offense or defensive coordinator against us, I mean, yeah, it'll work in the moment, but in the long run, if it's not putting the points on the board, it doesn't matter to them.
2: Agreed. Yeah, and, and I think they just have to be decent at it, right? Like, they have to just – the one game, and Tucker and I were talking about it, the one matchup that could that could get them, you know, when we get to the playoffs, is San Francisco feels oh, like that's the one. That's I, the one I worry about.
5: I, absolutely. Now, before I die, I know I have a long time. First of all, I say I appreciate it. You do a great show. But two things I want to say. One, uh, whenever I get time, I want to talk about draft prospects for you. I know it's way too early, but I'm a, such a football nerd, so – down the road, we're going to have to start giving you draft prospects to look into for next year. That's one. Uh, and two, the San Francisco thing is right on the money. I mean, you are accurate on the San Francisco thing. Not a lot of people are talking about it or thinking about it, but uh, this is just, this is just I don't know, it's perfect, perfect.
2: So keep talking about it. You got it, T. I mean, I appreciate the phone call. Always do. Yeah, we'll talk, of course, we'll talk draft prospects. We got to do our, our big board and all those things. I mean, the crazy part is usually – when we're talking draft prospects and really spending a lot of time on them it's because the Eagles had a bad season like think about the last not last year but the year before right the 2020 season they were awful we spent that whole next three months talking about the top 10 pick they had eventually became Devontae Smith they traded back from six and then back up and all that but this year we get to do it after what could be a Special season. I mean, the Eagles could be in the Super Bowl and have a top ten pick. I mean, that is that is very possible. The Saints are not a good football team um, with injury injury issues they have. The quarterback uncertainty. I don't think their coach is any good with Dennis Allen. They could be a top ten pick, and the Eagles be in the Super Bowl at the same time. That that's now that's fun right there. Let's talk to Jerry, who's up on WIP. Hey Jerry. Hey Joe, how's it going, buddy? What's up, Jerry? How you doing tonight? I'm not going too bad.
6: I, I met you the last time you filled in for Ike Reese. You were at Chickens and Peace and I got my picture with you and Johnny Mark, so that was, like, pretty cool to me. So. Oh, I,
2: I remember that, Jerry. How you doing, buddy? Yeah,
6: Good. I'm doing good. I got a little analogy for you. It may be kind of off the wall, but just hear me out. It's regarding my question to you and the Phillies. Okay. And then I got, I got one point on the Eagles, okay? Mm-hmm.
2: My question to you is: Do you believe in Bigfoot? Do I believe in Bigfoot? Like for yeah. real, Bigfoot? Uh, no, I don't. Do you? Yes, I do. Where, have you ever seen okay. him? Where? Like, where is he? I. Well,
6: I. Okay, I've been dri- I, I'm a truck driver, as you might know. I right. drive all over the. I've been driving all over half the country for the last year and a half, I and mean, there's so much vast country out there. Mountains, Appalachians, these Catskills, these. And you can't tell me that there's not something out there of a Bigfoot, okay? Okay. He's elusive. He's elusive. He's elusive. So to your point tonight, which is the same as my point is, the World Series grasp for the Phillies is kind of seems elusive just because of the way they've played in the last two games. They seem to revert it back to their old selves as flailing at pitches, not swinging at good pitches, not taking, playing, not playing small ball, not, uh, just not doing the baseball things that they were doing to get them to the point where they're at now. So I want, I want your opinion on that. For, I want to get your opinion yeah, on that. Well, yeah, well, yeah, it,
2: it feels, you're right, it feels bad because it feels like they're going back to the, the Phillies they were for a lot of the season, and it's, it's tough to think they could turn around, especially going back to Houston against Framber Valdez tomorrow, but. Jerry, to, to the point I think you're trying to make, like, it, it can happen, right? It, it, it feels elusive. It doesn't mean it's impossible.
6: Exactly, because I think I, we have a better chance of winning the World Series than you and I or anybody else seeing Bigfoot in the
2: next three days. So that that, that that's
6: I agree that's with Jerry. I agree
2: point. with that. I agree with, with that, that 100%. <laughs> that's true.
6: All right. And my point on the Eagles is I'm going to give you something. We're 8-0, right? So here I go. That's for the Eagles, 8-0.
2: I thought you were going to do eight of those. I didn't know if you could do that. Well, I can, but it
6: <laughs> it, uh, it, it may be a little off the wall. Okay. But, I, I, but that's, that was for the Eagles. I watched both games last night. I had one on my phone. I had the Phillies on my iPad. And it just, I don't know, the, the Eagles just have a, they just have a different vibe this year. They're playing well. Jalen Hurts is playing real well. The whole team is just, you know, other than barring injuries, pretty much can derail us, but I don't even think that would derail us because I think we have a pretty deep, uh, bench, you know, second, second team guys that will come in. Um,
2: and I believe they're going to go 17 and 0.
6: That's my belief.
2: There, that Jerry. Now, there, I, I like that. You know, I, you're the first person I think that said it. We've kind of talked about the idea of it. And Jerry, man, I appreciate your phone call. It was nice meeting you. And I agree with Jerry. Um, it is more likely the you thil- believe in Bigfoot. Well, no, well, no. But I, I, it is more likely the thil- has come back to win the World Series than any of us see Bigfoot in the next couple of days. I mean, he's that is accurate. Well, I'm not planning
3: any trips to the Pacific Northwest at this point.
2: Well, that's true, and I also don't think he's just going to roll through Philadelphia in the next couple of days. So I that actually, of all the calls, that might make might make me feel the best, right? Like there's a he gave me something the Phillies could accomplish that's a better chance, like they could win this thing, better chance than Bigfoot, you know, running around town here. As far as the um, believing in this Eagles team, and they've got something going on. You know what they have? They have a. Very business-like, workman-like like confidence and drive to them. I, I I, think it comes from Hertz. Sirianni is, I think, a big part of it, too. But uh, I heard uh, Sirianni's press conference last night. He said he was a little bit not worried, but, like, he went up to jail this week and said, like, hey, don't let this distract you because it, it probably was the first possible distraction Jalen Hurts had in terms of something away from the field, like he's going home, 150 people. I could see that. Maybe a little nerves, like, playing in front of everybody. And Sirianni said something like, Hurts looked at him, like, and gave him a look like, N- I'm not, not going to be distracted. Like, that.' you don't have to worry about that. And he obviously didn't play like he was distracted. But I, I don't get a sense they're going to get a big head. They're not going to be focused on an opponent. Like, last night I didn't think they were taking the Texans lightly. I thought it was a short week, and they had a couple weird moments and a fumble. But I – I'd be surprised if they have a week where they just play terrible. They could lose, and they could have a couple fumbles that go the wrong
3: way, but they seem really focused week to week. And I just think they seem so much better than everyone else. Like, I don't think they took the Texans lightly, but didn't it also feel like they didn't really break a sweat Mm -hmm. at any point in that game? They could just kind of roll up their sleeves and and figure it out and, and get done whatever needed to get done, and they did. They won by 12 in a game they were favored by 14, like, by all accounts. They pretty much did what was expected of them, and that's not something we could ever say about the team last year. Obviously, they they beat up on Detroit and they beat up uh, on some backup and third string quarterbacks. But watching them play last night, I mean, they just feel like a legitimate contending team. Like when we watched, you know, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year and the the Chiefs when they came here and and played the Eagles last year, it felt like at times like that team was just kind of toying with the Eagles. They weren't trying that hard. They weren't blitzing. The quarterback wasn't even taking his hands out of his pockets and was content just handing the ball off a couple times on first down. Watching the Eagles last night, I mean, they just seem so much better than any other team they've stepped on the field with so far. I wonder when this is all said and done, and obviously the result and if they end up
2: as a Super Bowl team or not is going to impact things. But I'm starting to think, like, How high up the rankings of all-time Eagles teams is this going to end up? Like, what are we watching here as they're about halfway through the season, almost halfway through, and they're 8-0. They haven't lost the game. First 8-0 team in franchise history. They've outscored their opponents. I think they're up to plus 90 now in terms of their point differential on the season. You know, you think back in Eagles history, yeah, the Eagles right now are plus 90 in point differential. I can't imagine, you know, so let's say they're on pace for about 200 plus 200 if they keep going at this kind of rate, um, you know, outscore their opponents by 200 points. There can't be many Eagles teams that had a better point differential than that in terms of week to week excellence. You know, we're watching a team that has a chance and they got to stay healthy, they got to play well, they got to keep winning. But they have a chance to end up as, as truly one of the great teams in franchise history, and then if they could somehow, you know, go to the playoffs and which they're going to win in the playoffs and get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. I mean, that they have a chance to end up as I mean, it's a special. It could be a special special team, not as a good team, a special team. So I'm looking now the 2017 team point differential wise was about one plus one sixty two. I was trying to think of the best point differentials in Eagles history because they're at plus ninety right now. I looked back, 0-2 had a very high point differential. 0-2 was like, two. Over, I think it was more than 200-plus. The 17 team was less than that. It was maybe 1-plus-165, one something like that, in terms of point differential. This team's at plus 90. It's only eight games in. They have a chance to, to kind of put themselves among the most dominant Eagles teams we've seen. Rob in Bucks County. Hey, Rob.
1: Hey, how are you, Joe? It's uh, Rob. I'm calling from Ivyland, Pennsylvania. First time caller. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Rob. What's up tonight? What are you thinking?
1: All right. So here's what I'm thinking. Um, I just turned uh, 60 years old last month, and I've got something that uh, nobody in uh, Philadelphia, nobody in Pennsylvania has. What's that? I grew, up in the, I grew up in South Florida. I was witness to the 1972 undefeated Miami Dolphins, and uh, I was there. And I grew up, and it was great watching an undefeated team that has never been repeated in history. And, um, you know, about uh, a number of years ago, I got to uh, sit down and uh, meet and have dinner with Don Shula. And he uh, autographed uh, several footballs for me. He was the uh, Hall of Fame coach, 1997 inductee to the Hall of Fame. And I've got to tell you, I, you know, I think the Eagles have something special here. And if they go undefeated, and that's a big, if they go undefeated, it's something that will stick in memory for many, many years to come. I would love to donate one of my, uh, uh, Don Shula Hall of Fame uh, autograph footballs to, uh, the Eagles if they go undefeated. And it's a big if, but this is like something special to have a team go undefeated for young boys, young girls watching this uh with watching this team it's uh it's really uh, special and it's a memory that stays with you for many 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 years to come. Well it's cool Again, Rob a, that you you
2: have that ex- yeah you have the perspective and experience it's it's interesting cuz that dolphins team Rob as you know like they still are are talked about every year they get, and they were, I just saw a couple of weeks ago when the dolphins played the the Steelers they were there getting honored like that you yep. become an all-time team like you know there's been over fifty Super Bowls now. I mean, we know the teams that won, but certain particular years of teams, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that team won in you know whatever seventy nine or eighty six or whatever. But no one ever forgets the seventy two Dolphins. Like that lives that lives in history. Um, so, as someone who watched it, do you do you think this thing compares? Like, do you think they have something going on here that could be a special a special kind of year?
1: You know what? That team was a predominant running team. They had three backs and it was a running team. They had uh, Larry Zonka, they had Jim Kick, Mercury Morris, all backs with 1,000 yards. So it's a different mold. It's a different type of team that uh, the Dolphins had. But, and again, the uh, the team then also had what was called, you know, the uh, no name defense. They had, it was a nickel defense. And so, you know, teams now are totally different than they were, comparing back to the uh, 1970s. Also, just as an aside, um, uh, I'm a physician, and I took care of uh, uh, who was then uh, the uh, kicker, Garo Yipremian, um who uh, was infamous for that uh, pass, and I took care of him, and when I took care of him, he actually let me hold this Super Bowl ring with the 17, and, with the 17 diamonds in it. And I got to tell you, that was special to have that kind of uh, Super Bowl ring with all of those diamonds in it. But I just said a lot. I'll let you get back to saying what you were asking.
2: Well, Rob, I, I mean, I, I think it's awesome that you, you, you called the show and you shared this story. So, I, I mean, I'm excited to, to watch this thing play out. And I think it'd be cool, Rob. We had some callers earlier who were worried about the idea of, like, you know, trying too hard and, and injuries and kind of pushing because then maybe you're out of gas by the end of the season. I, I, my perspective right now, Rob, as we are eight games in, is if you can go so- for history, you got to go for history.
1: All right, so I'll I'll share one other thing with you. There was a game at which they uh, were uh, heavily favored to beat the Buffalo Bills. Uh, We're talking about the Miami Dolphins. And they ended up only uh, winning 24-23 by uh, a referee uh, error. And um, I'm looking at last night's game where they were heavily favored by more than 14 points. They only won by 12 points. Oh, well. But, you know, listen, you know, you, you don't always have to cover the point spread. It's more about winning than it is about covering the point spread. So uh, that's my take on uh, uh, the Eagles season so far. So there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs.
2: And there's going to be a game, and Rob, you hit it. I mean, I appreciate your phone call. There's going to be a game where they have to win by a field goal. Maybe a game that they're supposed to win by two touchdowns. I mean, as you think about it, as they continue to play well, the Eagles here, the point spreads are going to be outlandish soon. I, I was thinking about this recently when it comes to, in context of the Chiefs and the Bills and the Eagles. It really feels like we're in, we're in an NFL right now where there are three dominant teams and there's everybody else. I, I happen to think the Niners can get and, and kind of work their way towards the, the, that, that group. I don't know if their record will ever be as close because they already have four losses, but I, I think the four best teams in the NFL by the end of the season will be the Bills, Chiefs, Eagles 49ers. And I won't be surprised at all if, if that's the title games. Title game Sunday, and it'll be great football. And I, I just look at those teams as different. Now the Niners have four losses, so kind of put them down. But week to week, because it's such a big gap between the top three teams and everybody else, there's going to be gigantic points for us. I think the Eagles, Bills, and Chiefs are going to be favored by 10-plus almost every week. I looked at next week already. I think the Eagles are 10-and-a-half or nine and a half point favorites uh, next Monday night against the Commanders. Now that will shift based on – what the commanders do this week and if they win it's probably a shorter number if they lose it's probably you know a bigger number, but it's you know we 're going to have these kind of numbers where the Eagles are supposed to now win by ten or twelve or thirteen or fourteen and that 's not going to happen every week it's it's not easy to win, especially on the road short week this past week in the NFL to win by that many points, but it, we're watching an excellent football team that is deep that is talented, that could score in multiple ways that takes the ball away. You know, we could nitpick run defense, and I, I think they have to get that short up and they miss Jordan Davis. But they have a quarterback right now that's leading a really good roster and the quarterback's playing like an MVP. I mean, that's that, that you could you could win a lot of games with that. Two one five, five ninety two, ninety four ninety four. It's how you hop board. We'll we'll talk about this Phillies thing and, and I I need the belief because I'm I'm struggling to find it here. If there is one thing, one thing that I think is a good silver lining for this weekend. I'll hit that coming up. On the other like one guy has emerged here, and he's playing at a high level. And, and if he continues it, and they're going to need him the next couple nights to get this thing and win in a game seven. We'll hit on that. Your phone calls two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. And the luck or skill thing when it comes to turnovers. Sirianni spoke about this, and it's interesting because the Eagles are, are have a turnover differential that's historic right now. Luck or skill? We'll dive into it on Sports Radio ninety four WIP.